passage in Second Corinthians, rather, in Second Corinthians chapter eleven and twelve, if you want to be turning there. But in First Thessalonians chapter four, the passage that we just heard in our reading, where the apostle Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and he is encouraging them to excel still more in their attempts at brotherly love. He does not correct them. He is not trying to say that you are not loving each other enough. He's not seeking to shame anybody to say that you're not doing enough. He is saying that you can still do more. That there's always room for growth. I think as Christians we understand that principle that there is always more that we can do. That we can always seek to grow. We can always seek to improve and do better and be servants of our Lord in an improved way day by day. And in one of the areas that I think it's important for us to think about is the area of our love for the brethren, for one another, for our local congregation. Because many churches, I find, are poised to grow. They're ready to grow. They desire to grow. They desire to become stronger. They desire to become more numerous even. And they are zealous about having visitors in the congregation. We have some with us this morning. We're especially glad that you are here. We are encouraged by that. And churches are ready to work and to make sacrifices to make a stronger commitment to God. Churches may focus a lot of energy on their spiritual growth, growing in knowledge of God's Word. And despite all of this, sometimes we see that churches are declining. That they are not growing in number as we might expect them to be. This might be because of several reasons. Maybe, though, one area that we could look at and consider this morning is that they are not growing in their relationships with one another. That if we are going to be a growing and thriving congregation of God's people, we need to not only be looking outward, we also need to be growing inward towards one another. That as we are part of a spiritual family, we need to be growing in tight-knit, close relationships with each other. There are several passages in the New Testament that would emphasize this in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter, the first chapter, the Apostle Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 22, he says, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls from a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring Word of God. That we are to have this love of the brethren, this brotherly love, that we grow in a fervent love. The, in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter again comes back to this issue. And as he's talking about all these different virtues that we are seeking to grow in as disciples of our Lord and Savior, as we are seeking to become more and more like God, as He's describing all the virtues that we need to be adding to our life, moral excellence and knowledge, self-control. Notice in verse 7 of 2 Peter chapter 1, 
In 2 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 7, And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. You can think of passages like, a, like 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We don't have time to examine that passage. Many times we hear maybe a sermon about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and we apply it to the marriage relationship. Or maybe you go to a wedding and you hear 1 Corinthians chapter 13 cited, and there's a really good chance that you will. And maybe it was cited and, and heard in your own wedding ceremony. And that is a beautiful passage that defines what love is. But I think sometimes we quickly miss the point of that passage because what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 is he's talking about how there are divisions in the church at Corinth and how they need to learn to love one another and to get along with each other. And so that whole chapter on love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is really primarily not about the marriage relationship, but about our love for the brethren, for one another in the Lord's body, in the church. And so to think about this is critical as a disciple on an individual level, on a congregational level. We have to understand the significance and the importance of brotherly love. And I think the Apostle Paul describes some things that can help us grow in brotherly love in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you would be turning there, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to be looking at some passages here and some verses that will help us see some important principles that would allow us to grow in brotherly love. And I suggest that we are like the Thessalonians. This is not a problem. It's not a problem for many of us, I know. But sometimes this is one of those things that we need to have a helpful reminder and urge or a nudge to say we can all do better. We can all improve in this area. And so the first thing that I want us to notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is the fact that um, my screen is frozen. Let me get out of this real quick. See if I can do a quick doctor move here. All right. Because trust me, you want to see my charts. I worked hard on them, they look good. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and in verse 2, when Paul is beginning here, as he's describing some things about the church and their relationship with one another, he says in verse 2 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. And I think what Paul is trying to get at here is setting this principle that if we are going to grow in any facet, whatever it might be as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it has to begin not with just a love for one another. It has to begin with a love for Jesus Christ. It must begin with a love for Him and the truth of the Gospel. And he says to the church there at Corinth that they were betrothed to Christ. And as such, the church was to be pure, and yet they were in danger of being led astray. He goes on in verse 3, But I am afraid 
That is, the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, and we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. They were in danger of leaving and forsaking Christ, of being dissuaded by a different gospel, by some false teaching. And that's where Paul is saying, hold on. That if you're going to be able to do anything and grow in in any area of your life and facet of your life, then it begins with a strong devotion and commitment to serving our Lord and our Savior. Because we will never grow as a church nor in our love for one another, unless this becomes preeminent in our life. We have to start here with this foundation, with this principle. We have to grow in our love for Christ and a love for the truth of the Gospel if we are going to be able to love one another as we ought to. And when we have that kind of mindset, a focus towards heaven, we are poised to, as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7, to let God give the increase. That when it begins with a love for Christ, then we are beginning to understand the significance of love. You would turn with me to the passage in 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, the Apostle John he writes a great deal about the theme of love, and especially love for our brethren. In 1 John, the second chapter, and in verse 5, as he is talking about the significance and the importance of keeping God's commandments and walking in the ways of Christ, he says in 1 John chapter 2 and in verse 5, But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked that we are to love as Christ has loved. And the reason that we must have a love for Christ and the truth is that love for one another was the commandment that Christ gave to us to follow. And He exemplified that love. He modeled that love. And the the partaking of the emblems this morning, we have reflected upon the depths of the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the righteous one, and if we are in Him and have fellowship with God, then we must do whatever He says and walk in the same manner as He walked. And so we cannot say that we are walking in the light, but hate our brother or sister. 1 John chapter 3, the Apostle John makes this very clear. In 1 John chapter 3 and in verse 9, he says, No one who is born of God practices sin, but his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. 
If you don't love your brother or your sister in Christ, then you are not practicing and walking in the light as God expects you to. And many times we might say we love someone, but love is going to be more than just words. John makes abundantly clear. As he continues on in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17, that he says, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Growing in brotherly love, it has to begin with a commitment to following Christ's example and living His truth. Living out the Gospel that He has given us. But a second thing that will help us grow in our brotherly love is having a genuine concern for others. Turning back to our text this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 this time, and in verse 14, as Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he is writing a very deeply personal letter. If you have never taken the time to just read all of 2 Corinthians, I would highly encourage you to do that. Because Paul is writing a very impassioned, personal letter. He gives a lot of detail about some of the challenges that he faced. And how he desired to go to Corinth and how much he loved the brethren there. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 14, you see that a glimpse of that. He says, here for the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden to you, for I do not seek what is yours, but you. For children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. Notice Paul's relationship here. That's what just comes to the top, I believe. When you read this passage, you see that Paul is not concerned about himself. He says, I do not seek what is yours, but you. He's seeking a relationship with the brethren there at Corinth. He wants them. He wants to have a deep and abiding fellowship with them. He has this genuine concern for them where he's not seeking their money, he's not seeking their honor or praise or any pride of how the church was growing because of what he has done. Paul loved them for who they were. They were disciples trying to follow the Lord. And Paul was ready to come visit them. He says, here for this third time, I am ready to come to you. And isn't that what love does? It repeats itself. That love for someone going to want to continually try to interact with them and come to them continually, repeatedly. Isn't that why we need to be so quick to forgive one another? And we all know that we have to be forbearing and we have to forgive each other and that someone's going to have to forgive me and you're going to have to, I'm going to have to forgive you. That's 
part of love. It's part of what it means to love. We need to have this willingness to love each other. And Paul was ready to come visit them again because he wanted to prove his love for them. And he uses this illustration that parents take care of their children, not children taking care of their parents. That parents are the ones who show love and teach love to their children. Paul is wanting to teach Corinthians how to love. And I find this interesting that Paul embraced the same sort of mindset and mission that Jesus adopted. Think about what Jesus came this earth to do in Luke chapter 19. In Luke the 19th chapter. And in verse 10 when Jesus was describing why He came to earth and the mission and the purposes that He wanted to accomplish. He says in Luke chapter 19 and in verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You notice who's doing the work there? Jesus. He came to seek and to save. That's what love does. It seeks a relationship. It seeks to offer and extend forgiveness and wants to save a relationship, preserve the fellowship that we might have. If we are going to grow in brotherly love, then we have to have a genuine concern for others. That's something that Paul models and demonstrates for us. It's something that Jesus demonstrates. But we have to be realistic with ourselves. How can we grow? Or how can we have any realistic expectations of growth in a local church when a sincere love and concern for other people might be absent? That would be setting ourselves up for failure. We need to have a genuine concern for others. But then a third point that I think we can see from Paul letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in the very next verse, in verse 15, he says, I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? He says, I am willing to spend for your account. One thing that's striking to me is that whenever some people might interact with me a little bit, they might find out that I'm a preacher and they ask me which church I might preach for and where I go and things like that. Maybe you've had a similar conversation where they might ask you, well, what kind of programs do you offer? What kind of things do you do for me? And I'm always struck by the, the selfish kind of outlook and perspective that has. Because that's not what the Bible ends up pushing. It's not asking about what I can receive from the church. It's asking about what can I give to the church. And what the Bible does and, and what Jesus and Christianity does is that whenever you spend, you end up 
giving back tenfold. But it begins with this willingness to spend. And while we do need to be concerned about our spiritual growth, our spiritual health and well-being, and our families' well-being, being a part of a church that can help facilitate growth, we need to have that. But we need to have a mindset that is ready to get busy, a mindset that is getting ready to go and work. We don't need to ask what the church can do for me. We need to ask what we can do for the church. And Paul was willing to spend. He was willing to to spend, he says. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. He wanted the souls of the brethren there at Corinth to be better off. And if he had something to offer, if he had something to give of himself, he was going to do it. If we are going to grow in our brotherly love, it doesn't begin with the person that we're sitting next to. It begins with you. It begins with me. It begins on a personal level. What am I giving? What am I spending? What am I doing to help grow in brotherly love? You can't point the finger and say, well, they don't love me enough. Isn't that what Paul asks here in verse 15? If I love you more, am I to be loved less? It doesn't begin with blaming others. If I love more and you don't return that love, then it's no loss to me in terms of the relationship because I am giving everything that I can to make it work. We need to show our thankfulness and appreciation. We need to love one another. We need to recognize those who sacrifice and give and spend for the betterment of the church. We are thankful for those who volunteer to teach Bible classes. We are grateful that they are willing to teach our children. They are spending, they are giving their time and their commitment. We're thankful for people who prepare the communion or that clean the building or serve in the AV booth. Trust me, if that doesn't work, then you probably can't hear me. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. (laughs) We need to be thankful for those who preach the Gospel and teach our classes. We need to be thankful for the shepherds of the church, our elders who oversee us and ensure that we're being fed the Gospel. And deacons who do a lot more and what we might even know. There are people who are spending and giving of their time and their commitment, their resources. And that's helping us grow. That helps us grow. But also, we need to be willing to be spent. That's the other point here that Paul makes. In verse 15, I will most gladly spend and be expended. Let me be empty. Let me be empty. 
And even if I don't get anything in return, I have at least given you something. That's the attitude that Paul has. Even if it's not reciprocated, even if it's not given back, I have helped you. That's the attitude that Paul wanted among the brethren. That if we're going to spend, then we're not looking at it as an investment, per se. We're looking at it as, I'm willing to risk and lose everything. And that teaches us something about love. Especially brotherly love. Because sometimes we can become hurt. Our feelings can be wounded if someone doesn't return love to us. And on one level, I think Paul would understand that. We all understand that. But Paul was also willing to be expended. That word expended there, or to be spent, it means to be wholly expended or exhausted. He was willing to see himself completely used up in the service for other people to bring them to the Lord. He wasn't just going to give a little bit and then hope to get something in return and then I'll give you something a little bit more. It wasn't, I'll scratch your back and you scratch mine. That was not the attitude that Paul had. He was willing to use up everything that he had. Every bit of energy, every bit of love, anything that he could give. He was willing to sacrifice his own life for someone else. Until there was nothing left to give. I think this is one area where we grow frustrated when it comes to brotherly love. I think this is sometimes why brotherly love ends up not growing as much as it should because we kind of want someone to return that love to us, don't we? We want somebody to give us something, right? We think, hey, I'm giving. I'm doing so much here. You gotta, you gotta come back and you gotta give me something in return. We think of it in in investment terms. But notice how the Corinthians treated Paul in Second Corinthians chapter ten. In Second Corinthians chapter ten, and in verse eight, he's writing about how he had written that first letter in First Corinthians, and it was. Difficult. There were some hard things that Paul said in that letter. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 8, Paul writes, For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be put to shame. For I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters. For they say... His letters are weighty and strong, but His personal presence presence is unimpressive and His speech contemptible. That Paul, he writes hard words, but then whenever he comes in person, he's just a big old softy and he, he can get away with anything. That's what people were saying about the Apostle Paul. 
If someone said that about you, what would you would you be friends with them? Would you love them? In chapter 12 and verse 15, in that question that Paul asks, after he says, I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls, if I love you more, am I to be loved less? You can see the despair there that some of the Corinthians despise Paul. They do not love him. And I think you need to read those words with some hurt. <laughs> There. I love you. Am I to be loved less? The thing about brotherly love and love in general, love for anybody, whether it be a husband, wife, your children, love can make you vulnerable. Because you may feel that you're giving everything that you have for love. And you may feel that you have nothing left to give. And then you might see that the other person isn't returning that love. That's going to be discouraging. You're going to feel depleted, you're going to feel exhausted. Your heart and your mind is going to suffer disappointment, heartbreak, and discouragement. And when we are discouraged, we can become overly critical and even cynical. People will disappoint us and frustrate us. But part of preparing for success, especially in terms of brotherly love, is being ready for those times of heartache and disappointment. Love can make us vulnerable. You think about our God, our Creator, and how He has loved us so. He gave His only begotten Son, and yet you see the vulnerability in that, don't you? Because some people despise Jesus. They don't believe in Him. They think he's a fraud. You see what I'm saying about love is vulnerable? Be willing to be spent. Jesus was willing to do that. Our God is willing to do that. And if they are willing to do that, then I should be willing to be spent. Even if I don't get anything in return. Love requires that we be vulnerable because in the long run, it will deepen our respect and our relationships with others. Notice what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and in verse 13, he says, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. Do not grow weary doing good. Even if you feel that you are completely exhausted and depleted, that you have nothing left to give, don't grow weary because you are doing good. When you show love and kindness 
to your brothers and your sisters in Christ, keep on doing it. Keep on loving them. If you're discouraged because of someone, go to them. Not in anger, not accusing them of failing in their job. Go to them because you want to offer help. Because you love them. Many times when we grow discouraged, we are discouraged because we think people know we will help them. But the other party or parties may be too embarrassed or prideful to ask for help. So when you are discouraged and you feel that you have nothing else to give, go to your brother or sister. Talk to them. Find out what's going on. See how you can help. Because you may feel spent and exhausted and completely overwhelmed. You may feel that you are giving and giving and giving and nothing is being given back and shown back in return. But if you will go with the right frame of mind, sharing the love of God among the people of God, it is completely worth doing. And it will be accomplishing what is good and what is right. Be willing to be spent if we are going to grow in brotherly love. One final thing for us to consider this morning. That if we're going to grow in brotherly love, we need to seek to build each other up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 19, Paul said this, All this time you have been thinking that we are defending ourselves to you. Actually, it is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding the loved. Paul is describing that after that uh, first letter he sent in 1 Corinthians, that it aroused and exposed a lot of issues in the Corinthian church. And some of them, as you might imagine, grew very defensive. They said, we're not doing anything wrong. Paul's the one who's wrong. That was the attitude that many people held. And Paul says, you're not defending yourself before me. You have to defend yourself before God. But he says, everything I have said and everything I have done, it's been for your own upbuilding, for your own love and faith. Paul's goal was to build up the Corinthian church. And you can see his willingness to do that. Back up in verse 14, he was like, I'm willing to come to you a third time. That doesn't sound like someone who's dismissive of them, like, okay, one time, I'm done with you. No, this is someone who is willing to continue to be putting himself out there to help them. He did not come with His own authority in chapter 10 and verse 8 whenever He says that He came and wrote to them, for even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up. He said, I didn't come speaking my own words. I came with the authority of Christ. He has been encouraging them to get busy, to keep working, to serve. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, notice how Paul describes this in verse 14. He says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one an aroma from death to death, to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many peddling the Word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Paul is saying that he is a diffuser, a diffuser of oils and scents, that he is diffusing the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He wants others to see that and smell that and participate in that. Paul is not being harsh or mean. He's doing and saying some things out of love for the help of the church. And so before we commit to saying something to somebody else, or before we commit to doing something, we have to ask ourselves, why am I doing this? Or why am I saying this? Are my words or my actions going to help the scenario? Or is it just going to make matters worse or more complicated? Am I diffusing the aroma of Christ? Am I being sincere in this? And if I am not, then I need to let it go. I need to let it go and I don't need to go home complaining about it to only assume the worst. I need to also ask, will my words or my actions encourage someone to do the right thing? Or will my words and actions only discourage them from serving the Lord? If we can't say that what we are going to say and do will help somebody draw closer to God and Christ, then we need to refrain from doing it. Paul makes it very clear that what he was trying to do was seek to build others up. He wanted them to grow. He wanted them to grow more like God and more like Christ. There is no magic pill for growing the church. However, developing a strong and abiding love for our brothers and sisters is an important ingredient that we must be willing to commit to and to develop. And we have to ask ourselves, do I love my brothers and sisters as I love myself? The second great commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. And that applies to our brethren in the Lord's church. In the church, we can live out that second great commandment we have an opportunity to do so each and every day. What are you doing to show your love for others? This morning, if you're not a child of God, we would encourage you to become a Christian. To give Christ your heart and your life. To come to Him in the full assurance of faith, believing and accepting that He is the divine Son of God who was sent 
to this earth to give Himself as a sacrifice for the atonement of our sins so that we could be in a right relationship with the Lord. If you would come believing and repenting of your sins and confessing that Jesus is the Son of God to be baptized in water, you can have your sins washed away, you can be forgiven, and you can become a child of God by God's grace. It may be that you have made that commitment to serving Him, but you've not been living faithfully. Would you not come back to the Lord? Come back to Him. We're here to help you. We're here to love you. We're here to encourage you in whatever way we can. If you are subject to the Lord's invitation, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?